Net-A-Porter presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 3, The New Guard. Hello, I'm Kay Barron, Fashion Director at Net-A-Porter, and I'm delighted to be joined by Yumi Nu for this episode of our Incredible Women Podcast. Yumi is a model, singer-songwriter and entrepreneur who is making strides both in and out of the fashion world. Having worked in the industry for over a decade, her career skyrocketed in 2021 with major catwalk and magazine appearances. In March, she was featured in Sports Illustrated as a rookie. And a few months later, she covered American Vogue's September issue as part of a group of new gen talent who are leading the charge of a fashion revolution. But the mark that Yumi is making goes far beyond a shoot or runway. She uses her accelerating platform to speak out on vital issues. From the importance of inclusive media representation to challenging reductive labels. Earlier this year, in the wake of the horrific attacks on the Asian community, Yumi, who is of Japanese and Dutch descent, posted her support of the Stop Asian Hate movement and advocated for voices within the community to be heard. She's taking change into her own hands when it comes to the fashion industry. Inspired by her own experiences and conversations with her followers, Yumi is developing her own ethically sourced plus-size clothing line. A born entertainer with many strings to her bow, the multi-talented model musician and now designer is also releasing new songs this year. Further proof that she will not be put in a box when it comes to her career. Hi Yumi, it's wonderful to speak with you today. Thank you for joining our Incredible Woman podcast. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I'm delighted that you could take the time. And you are in New York and I'm speaking to you amid New York Fashion Week. How is that going for you? Oh, it's been it's been so amazing. I think with COVID and just a year and a half of uncertainty and lockdowns, it's just nice to be back and have the opportunity to participate in such an amazing week. It's so nice to be back and actually see people, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. I spent like a month in my house this past month just taking a break and I I was like, okay, I'm ready to get back into the world. (laughs) Well, I'm not surprised that you've needed a break. It's been a mental year for you (laughs) career-wise. Are there any standout moments that have felt especially exciting personally? Definitely being a Sports Illustrated rookie and being on the cover of the September issue. I mean, both of those things have been extremely monumental. It's just been an amazing time. It's been surreal, and I'm I'm still processing. It's been, I mean, completely stratospheric, But because <laughs> you've actually been modeling for, for some time now. I know you actually started as a baby. Short-lived, <laughs> yes. though. Very short-lived. <laughs> what brought you into the industry in the first place? What attracted you? So my grandma, my mom, my aunt, they were all models in different forms, like commercial models. My aunt, Devin, was like an iconic, um, amazing model. And I was just always around it and, and looking at modeling. And I remember in middle school, I just felt like I don't fit in. I don't know what to do. And so I I just asked my mom if she could help me get into modeling. And at the time, it was just like, this sounds like a cool idea, not having 
any idea of, of where it would take me. And um, my mom kind of acted as a momager um, and would email agencies and take me to castings and look over my contracts. But I'd say for a few years, like the plus size industry wasn't really formed. I think it was like 2009, 2010. And I was considered a junior plus size model. So I would just go on castings and test shoots. And I didn't start like really working, working until like 2000. 16. And that was, I think, when, you know, slowly it's been this like gradual change and and uprising of plus size fashion and inclusivity in the past few years. And I think that that's when I really started my actual career. Because you obviously had some amazing voices in your family to listen to and the advice that they would have given you. Is there anything that you know now that you'd wish you'd known when you were starting out? Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like one of the biggest things that I've realized is that I think a lot of models start modeling very young. And at the time, you're still, like, in a sense, like, your own boss of your career. But I think when you're younger, you don't understand that. And so you kind of can come into the industry and into this job, like, feeling small and feeling like you have no power over yourself. And I do think that at the time when I did start modeling, there was a way bigger power differentiation between models and everyone else in the industry. Like the models at the time didn't have as much of a, a voice as they do now. And I I just wish I would have known to not be afraid to make my own decisions and stand up for myself and and just love myself because I think at the time, really up until the past like couple years, I was putting my worth and value into everyone else's opinions. And that just made my self-esteem and my self-worth just fluctuate every day. And that, that was so, that was really exhausting. Well, I've read about you talking about worthy work Yes. That you do to reset, which I mean, I read I read what you said about it and it sounds like something you need to teach everyone to do. Yeah. Basically, worthy work is practicing the belief that no matter what anyone says about you, good or bad, it doesn't make you more or less worthy. And I think thinking about my worthiness in like this locked state that no one can touch has made me live a freer life because most of our anxiety and what we overthink about and a lot of the things that we have related to mental health issues is centered around what other people are thinking about us. And honestly, like most of the things that I spiral my own anxiety and doubts to is what other people are thinking about me. And it was because I was such a people pleaser. I was I was so obsessed with people liking me and having good things to say about me that I wasn't living my authentic self and my authentic life. And worthy work has given me this freedom of knowing, like, it doesn't matter if <laughs> someone says anything negative about me. 
Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, why am I stressing? Why am I stressing? And it's like, oh, it's because I don't want so-and-so to think this, or I came off this way, or I wish I would have said that. And it's like, okay, but if their opinion was positive, would I be more? If I got this job, if I got X, Y, Z that I wanted that I didn't get, would I be more? And the answer is always no. We came into this world with a set worthiness that doesn't change, that's just as much as everyone else. And the belief that we can be more or less than other people is a complete societal construct. And it's something that our world monetizes, in a sense. You've talked before about the lack of representation in the media that you had when when you were a child, when you um, obviously first joined. And I think that much to your point before, you've very much leading that change and you're part of a generation who's driving so much progress forward. And of course, there is there's still a long way to go. How does it feel to be helping to provide that for young people now? It's actually been very healing for me because I actually didn't realize how many people like me exist. You know, when I was growing up, I felt kind of alone in the sense of my body and my race and the combination and being the representation of myself and other people that look like me has allowed me to connect with a lot of people. And it's, I think it's helped heal a lot of the inner child inside of myself that hasn't always felt like she belonged and just getting messages on Instagram or even in person sometimes. Actually, I was in the elevator of my hotel here and these two like middle-aged ladies were like, oh my gosh, like we saw you on the news and we love what you stand for. And I think it's so amazing. And they like thanked me and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like this is what I'm doing this for is people of all all generations, not just mine or the people younger than me, but I guess realizing that just human beings can connect overall, you know, and it doesn't have to be a certain demographic. And it's been so cool. A lot of these people you're communicating with on Instagram, mm-hmm. and you do seem to have very meaningful engagements with your followers. What's your relationship like with social media? Because obviously that's a massive positive side, but there's it comes with its dark side too. Mm, yeah. You know, I think everyone has an up and down relationship with social media because it can be such a an amazing tool to connect with people. But I also think that we have to also protect ourselves from the lies that social media can tell us and the spirals that we can go down if we spend way too much time on it. So I think for me, I've been kind of finding the healthy balance of going on in the way that serves me and feels authentic to me, while also still being engaged and present in the real world and just not living completely in a virtual reality. Because I think that sometimes, like, I'll go on TikTok or Instagram and think, like, oh, I'll only go on for five minutes and then, you know, hours will pass by and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I just got sucked into this vortex. And so I think I'm I'm just finding the balance of, okay, this this can provide me 
real connection with people from all across the world that I would never be able to know. And I think that that's such a beautiful gift. And I think it's so cool that you can support people that you never would have come in contact with if it wasn't for Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or whatever it is. But it's also very important to be present and be in touch with your body and realize that we're more than just our profiles and that we need to be in the moment and appreciate our physical life with people that we love and the experience of that. And I've definitely made an effort this year to do more of that and to be off my phone more. And I think it's just, for me, I'm finding the relationship of myself with social media as like, okay, I I know my boundaries with it. And so it's just about staying in those healthy boundaries and also having enough time and space for myself outside of that. Well, especially important as your profile grows as well, because we we obviously have to talk about the amazing Sports Illustrated feature and your gorgeous Vogue cover, (laughs) both which were historic making. I mean, how did they make you feel? I honestly had no idea that I would be able to do something like this when I started modeling. And, you know, a part of part of that was like the industry wasn't where it is today. So it's a very surreal feeling that I didn't have to change myself at all to be in those positions when I thought that even at my skinniest to be exactly where I am and accepted exactly how I am and to be put in those positions and celebrated is like I I still can't fathom or process it because it's been a very fast change in the past few years it's an amazing thing and I'm I'm so honored to be in this position but I also started very young so um, to see the industry really change in so many ways and very rapidly at times it's it's just like whoa this is this is actually happening like I'm I'm part of this and I never knew that I could be You've spoken about how limiting the the use of labels are, which I think has been the case across many platforms. But what does genuine diversity and inclusivity in fashion look like to you? I would love to be in a world where we didn't have the label of like plus model or straight model or blank model. We could all just be models. We could all just be humans. It doesn't have to be so categorized. I understand that, you know, this is a new, somewhat new change in the fashion industry and people felt like they needed to categorize to simplify it. And I think that because of the wave of inclusivity, I think that there have been a lot of models that have been a tokenization. And I think that real genuine diversity is not just picking one Asian curve model or one black model or one gay model, have a big range of all different bodies, heights, shapes, races, etc. And it doesn't have to feel so like, okay, we have two plus size models, like, we're good to go. Because I think that a lot of people start like that, but it's like, okay, I'm totally happy to be a part of the start, but let's keep it going. You know, like I want to see... 
I want to see that diversity grow throughout collections and throughout campaigns and throughout the years so that it feels genuine and it doesn't just feel like, okay, I'm doing just enough to not get called out for being, you know, whatever, and have it be a genuine change of heart in the people of power in the industry. And I hope that, you know, like my my children's generation, it's my dream is that it won't even be a big deal at that point to see someone curvy on the cover of a magazine or on a billboard or, you know, it's like right now we're breaking all these boundaries, which is amazing and I'm so happy to be a part of it. But the dream is like all people are represented It's not just for show or for profit. It's real and it's genuine. Part of that happening is like we need to leave room for people to change their minds. A lot of people might feel shame that they're showing up late to the party. And I think we're only going to see real change if we say like, it's okay that you're showing up late. Just show up. You touched on there the idea of, you know, brands actually doing plus sizes it's it's so limited and you know in samples and all those issues that have been long-standing in the industry but then you know you're again leading that change by launching your own (laughs) clothing line and ethically sourced as well which is incredible but where did that come from and and where do you see that or want that to go yeah because I've been working in this industry for quite some time I feel like I've modeled for every possible brand that I could buy from as a plus size consumer and I just felt incredibly frustrated with the options because if something was cute that I liked it was something that might end up in the landfill in like two months because it's terrible quality and then you know there's an ethical part of that where it's like it's not ethically made and the fact that plus size consumers only have very few options. For me, I just felt like so cornered into either of these and there's so much space still for something in the middle. I'm like, okay, I don't know where to start, but I'm just going to start. And so I started like over the pandemic taking polls and asking my audience what they want and like what they are missing in fashion. And I was like, okay, so I'll just make a small batch and list it for pre-order and and just have everything be very like small and um, locally sourced. I'm really just making the clothes that I want to see and that I feel like are missing and just offering it to my friends in real life on the internet (laughs) and um, anyone who wants it because I just feel like it doesn't really exist right now. That does sound incredible but also sounds like a lot especially when you, you seem to have quite a lot on your plate already. But I wanted to just to talk about when Sports Illustrated feature was released. It was at the same time as the Stop Asian Hate campaign, which was obviously responding mm. to the horrific attacks on the Asian community. We spoke at the time about how important it is for Asian people to be heard and supported and the need for spaces for people to feel safe and listened to. How do you feel about being an assumed spokesperson for these issues? I mean, I feel honoured to be one of the spokespeople for my community. I I also feel like 
there's a lot of underrepresentation of Asian people still in the media. And I think I just want to pass the mic to other people that I think don't have a platform and, and don't have as big of a amplification as I do. And so I'm totally honored and happy to be in the position I, I'm in. I just think that there still needs to be more of it. I do see like an increase in it and I see a lot of Asians are being represented in the media now, but I just, I hope and pray that it doesn't stop here. And I hope that, you know, with time, all forms of Asian representation and Asian voices are still continuing to grow and be represented for more Asians to have positive representation and positive amplification. Talking about, well, you using your voice, we obviously have to talk about your music, which and you've taken a break from it for the last couple of years. And you have said that your sound has changed quite a lot during that time. And you've just released your single bouquets, which I listen to all morning. Oh, and yay. it is so dreamy and so relaxing. Can you tell us about that kind of change in your sound and, and what it was, what it is, and, and that finding time for that too? I started out on my uncle's record label. It's called Dimmock, and it's an EDM dance record label. And at the time, I was making like very pop EDM-leaning music. For a while, it was what I wanted to do, and it was um, something I enjoyed, but I think my taste and my style changed as I got older, and it was right before the pandemic when I was just like, oh, I just, I, I need just a revamp. I need to just take some time to figure out what I want because I felt a bit lost. My styles were pulling me in different directions. So I took a very long break. I only intended to take a year off, but I ended up taking like two and a half years off. But that, that time actually really allowed me to feel like I have a endless space to just create and figure out what my voice and my sound is as an artist and, and what really feels good for me. Because at the end of the day, this is my outlet, my art and my emotions being expressed. So if I don't even feel like it's aligning with me and what I like, what is the point? So having the break, I was able to try different sounds and and just create something new every week with my my best friend Kehan, who produces for me. And I think that's just like me naturally evolving into a new sound, like a new version of what I was doing before. You've said that it that releasing music opens up a more vulnerable side oh, to yeah. all of you. Because <laughs> you know, everything that we've discussed already, you know, you you are a, a force, I would say. Thank you. It opens up that vulnerable, vulnerable side to you. Do you feel exposed with that or is that quite a kind of happy place for you to be uh you know it, it can be actually very hard sometimes because I'd say my vulnerability in music is raw in a different way where it really feels like sometimes I'm just putting my actual heart 
into the world and I'm like what do you think (laughs) and it's like sometimes worthy work can't save me (laughs) and you know I have that practice to ground myself because because I think amazing songwriting and amazing music comes from people being really truly honest and sometimes ugly about like what they feel and like their perspectives on things and That's something that I've really implemented in my songwriting in this new project and and, in these new songs. And because of that, I've never been more sensitive. (laughs) And my confidence in who I am as a model is sometimes almost easier than it is for me when I'm an artist. And being two of those things at the same time can be very difficult. And I wouldn't trade it for the world because it's... It's literally an outlet for me. It's just almost keeps my my brain healthy at times to just be able to express myself. But, you know, it has its ups and downs. And I think, like, I'm learning in this new season with all this new success, like, how to balance that and how I can, I can keep that authenticity and that vulnerability just, like, 360 and how to implement both sides of my life together. Well, I think probably when you're modeling, you can assume a character in a way so there's still a barrier up but of course when it's with your music and it's and it's just you then yeah you're kind of yeah you're on your own yeah exactly other than worthy work which I am absolutely going to adopt in my life how do you look after yourself and and switch off I I have a um alarm set on my phone that I this is something I just started doing I got this this like practice from my life coach And um, he told me to set a timer on my phone every day. I just put, how are you feeling from one to 10? I stop whatever I'm doing and I take three big deep breaths and I'm like, okay, if I'm at a five, where do I want to be? Okay, maybe I want to be at an eight. And so I'm like, what do I need to be at an an eight? Mm, And then I check in with my body and I'm like, okay, first of all, breathe. Because breathing is like an amazing thing that I think we we don't realize that we're only taking like sips of air sometimes and just like taking really big full body breaths can just really relax the body. Um, and then I'll be like, okay, maybe I need a glass of water. Maybe I need to connect with my boyfriend or maybe I need to call my mom. And it's like, what do, what do I need to feel good? What do I need to feel grounded right now? And sometimes like, oh, I just need to get off my phone or I just need to like look outside and appreciate the sun or something simple. Um, And it just takes me and makes me connect with myself because I'll be going all throughout the day and being like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And just having a reminder set like, hey, it's time to connect with yourself. What do you need? I find you incredibly soothing. Can you be my life coach? (laughs) Thank you. I'll see if I can add it to my plate. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> Another side co- side hustle for you. <laughs> On that note as well, you've achieved a phenomenal amount already. Are you somebody who plans? Do you have hopes and dreams for the next chapter? Or are you very much kind of like taking it day by day? I'm naturally a huge planner. I love making just loads of to-do lists. I love that on the notes app, they have this like checklist option. 
Oh my gosh, that was like the worst invention for me because I just go crazy with that kind of stuff. So I love planning. It Sometimes it drives me absolutely crazy that I can't plan with this job. <laughs> but I think something that I've learned is that you can't, I think I heard a saying like, you plan and God laughs at you or something like that. And it's such a true statement because I, I mean, I planned my whole year in the past year being like, oh, like, you know, maybe I'll get one of my goals this year. I was just loosely like planned something. Hopefully I'll do something like this this year. And then I was on the cover of Vogue. I was in Sports Illustrated. And it's like, I can't, I think when I plan and I have these goals, it's like, I'm, I'm almost limiting myself of like, what I can do because I have no idea of of what is possible. And so really, I think I'm just in the mindset of just going wherever, you know, this journey takes me and whatever aligns with me and feels right and just doing that and enjoying that and taking it day by day. And how amazing when the world surprises you with amazing things like that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm very happy about those surprises. (laughs) And finally, because this podcast is all about talking to trailblazers like yourself, who would you consider to be an inspiring new trailblazer? There's so many. Someone that just came to mind, her name is Lauren Chan. She is a fellow Asian curve model and she has a plus size brand called Henning. And it's like plus size women workwear. And she very much inspires me because she also saw a need in the plus size industry and went to go fill it. And she did it very well. And she has had a lot of important conversations about Stop Asian Hate. And we actually, we did something together during the time when it was it was just happening and um, coming to the surface. And she is just an incredible person and, and someone that I, I really look up to. And so I just think Lauren Chan is, is really awesome. And I think more people should know about her. And she's just incredibly, like, well-spoken and carries herself so well. And so I'm just rooting for more people like that. That was amazing. And honestly, you're so hypnotic. Calm need to get you to record some meditations immediately. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for squeezing us in. I know your schedule this week is is crazy, but enjoy enjoy Fashion Week. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you do next. Oh, of course. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Enter the code the new guard at the checkout for 10% off your first net-a-porte order. T's and C's and exclusions apply. The new guard was brought to you by Netaporte and Chalk and Blade, hosted by Kay Barron and produced by Laura Hyde. The team at Netaporte was led by senior editor Katie Barrington, with casting by Annabelle Brog and Olivia Wakefield. The executive producer at Chalk and Blade was Ruth Barnes, with original music by Alex Port Felix and engineering by Matt Nielsen. 